Okay, hello. My name is Maris Antolin, and I'm the marketing assistant at Pacific Northwest Ballet. And I'm here today with Mona Butler, who is PMB's music librarian and bassoonist. Thanks yeah. for talking to me today. Nice to talk to you. Um, so first things first, I'm wondering how one becomes an orchestra or a music librarian at a ballet company. At a ballet company, that's the that's the real key oh, because yeah. it's kind of a niche thing. Mm-hmm. So um, usually the music librarians for um, the orchestra and the piano. So we have two parts of our music library. We have whatever the the, the rehearsal pa- pianists use for the music that they use for the rehearsals in the studios, and the term for that is a repertoire. Mm-hmm. And so one side of us is all the piano scores. But then we also are lucky enough to have an, our own orchestra. So the orchestra needs music. And so the question is, is in a ballet uh, environment with a ballet orchestra, how does the music librarian come to be? Um, in many ballet companies, it actually usually is one of the repertoires and the pianists mm-hmm. that that fun- fulfills that function. It just how, which was the case before I became music librarian in 1996. I'd been playing with the orchestra already, but um, I was looking for something that was not playing that I could make my own hours with and be with my. I had young children, oh. and so when this position came open, I thought, "How cool!" So. I wasn't trained as a music librarian, but it uses all of the skills that uh, we as as musicians use. Um, so it makes sense to, to use somebody from the orchestra. And uh, often the training for that just comes from our, for what we already are doing as musicians. Um, there's some unique things. Uh, originally when I started um, music, that we produced here in-house um, had to be written out by hand. Now, of course, we oh, have computers. Yeah. Um, if it didn't come already published in a published format from a from a, a company outside, then often we'd write it ourselves in manuscript. And I'd gone to University of Southern California in L.A., and one of the my my um, electives, I classes that I took just for fun was music copying because everybody was into it in mm-hmm. LA for the films because you have to do oh, it right away and I love calligraphy so I thought how cool I'll do that <laughs> and so when they opened this up they actually asked me to do some some of the music copying um, and that was really cool of course we don't even use it anymore it's right. all done on the oh, it's all done on that's the kind computer. of a bummer um, I do it every once in a while because it's just faster but yeah. it's not what it used to be so yeah, yeah. um but all of the parts, so when I first interviewed for the job, they said, had you ever been a music librarian before? And I said, no, but I've done all the pieces for it, mm-hmm. and all you have to do is put those together, Right. which I did. Yeah. So I've been doing that since 1996. Amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot of just creative problem solving is what it is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is relationships with publishers, because we... Um, some of the music we produce for ourselves, some of the music we have to rent um, from oh, the big okay. publishing houses. And so um, I develop relationships with them. And 
one of our wonderful uh, publishing houses uh, representative and I uh, work on getting music for the orchestra and then we talk about dahlias and tomatoes and <laughs> oh, I love that that's so sweet <laughs> so it's been kind of cool yeah that. that's kind of the opposite of what I would expect yeah. you know usually you think of a mm-hmm. librarian as maybe being insular and surrounded by stacks of music but well we, we do have those too <laughs> right right <laughs> But it is a very collaborative position. Mm-hmm. I work with our orchestra musicians to make sure they have what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in a ballet, unlike many other music librarians, like in a Seattle Symphony or a Seattle Opera, um, we can make this we make this position whatever the our company needs. And so, sure. one of those things is that I also clear the theatrical licensing for works under copyright protection. Oh, that's because I was already renti- arranging rental music, so they said, why don't you just do the theatrical licensing? So if there's anything written after 1923, is copyright protected. And so I have to find out who holds the rights, um, mm-hmm. intellectual property rights on that, and contact them and uh, negotiate and work with them to be able to have permission to use somebody else's work right. for our use. Right. And that's always, a, it's kind of a real, it's a lot of research. Yeah. Um, which is really kind of fun. Yeah. And a lot of collaboration, asking other people, you know, uh, other publishers, where does this come from? What should I do? Right. Um, and I like that part of it, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that segues perfectly into um, the meat of my questions for mm-hmm. you today, and that's um, about the music for our upcoming show, 1,000 Pieces, yeah, and the process of getting all this Philip Glass music. Because it all fits in all of those categories, actually. There's <laughs> right. so many different things. This has been really right. an interesting one. Yeah. So just a little background. The music for 1,000 Pieces, and specifically Alejandro Ceruto's piece, 1,000 Pieces, is all right. Philip Glass music. And it's never mm-hmm. been performed live before. No, it hasn't. It's always been done recorded. Yeah. His home company doesn't have its own orchestra, right. my understanding is. Yeah, and so he's, he's had to use recordings. That's kind of his environment. But we have our own orchestra, so right. we said, let's do this live. Yeah, that's really exciting. So with the way he puts his music together is he listens to recordings, and he just... Um, Recordings are often uh, separated into what they call tracks, little segments. Mm -hmm. And um, he may not use a whole piece. He may just use a part of that, and he's done that. So there are 15 different tracks for this from... um, I I didn't count them up, but I would say about eight different works. And so I have to... What is needed to happen is that I have to locate music for all of those. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and they're from different sources. So the Piano Concerto, that is a published work. In fact, our own Northwest Chamber Orchestra recorded it oh, awesome. a while ago. Yeah. Um, and the, the Dracula Quartet, which is really a cool part of this, um, was done for a film soundtrack but uh, to the 1931 film Dracula. Oh. Um, it was a... They put a new glass, put a new soundtrack under that movie, and the Kronos Quartet performs that. And mm-hmm. sometimes they perform it live. So I was able to go to the publisher to get the parts for that. Oh, great. Um, a couple of the tracks were film scores. Now film scores are a different animal completely, mm-hmm. because film scores exist for 
for recording music for a film, and then they're never used again. Right. They're often... So The Illusionist was owned by a film company, and when I approached them to do this, first they said, I don't think we can give you permission to use this because it's being used actually for another project. Oh. And I had to get special permission for us to use the music for this so that it wouldn't conflict with the other project they were using it for. Yeah. And then they said, well, we have to go in our storage and find the orchestra scores and parts. That's the the actual notes that the musicians have to look at to be able to play this. Um, so that took him six months to look in their farm, oh in, their, in their storage area and said, oh, well, in 2008 with the big crash, um, we had to downsize and we had to get rid of a bunch of stuff in our storage and that's when we threw it all away. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we don't have score and parts for you anymore. It took them six months to right. tell you that. <laughs> oh, great. So then I went back to the, then I went back to Glass's publisher and said, yikes, is there any chance we can do this live? And they said, okay, well, we'll work on it. And so then they finally were able to print a set of parts to give it to us. But it's a phone yeah. score, so you don't always get them back. They're not always kept. Oh, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So with all the films that you see out, there has if it if an orchestra hasn't been involved, there have to be scores and parts for the players to play at the recording session. But after that, they may store them and they may just shred them. Who knows? Yeah. Hopefully they keep them in their computer files, but sometimes not. Yeah. That's so, so. interesting. <laughs> that seems And then I had silly. to find the one track from a two and a half hour movie. Right. I have to find the, the two and a half minutes for that track and identify yeah. that with the score and parts that match the recording that Alejandro wanted to use. Right. And that's one of 15 tracks. <laughs> for a, It's about an hour-long piece. 70 minutes. 70 minutes, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How long did the entire process take? I started around Nutcracker uh, 2018. Oh, okay. To start so. finding this. So it's a little bit of detective yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of talking to people. Mm-hmm. And... Were you able to use other contacts that you had already built from being... Yes, yeah. Wearing? Some of the publishers yeah. that I've used before helped us. Oh, okay, um, We've done quite a bit of glass work, and he has a publisher. Mm. And so it, they were really tremendously helpful Oh great! So, yeah, with because they 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 uh, um, they have the rights to a, a great amount of this, but you know sure. the the Dracula was um, is also a film, so sometimes the film company owns the rights, and sometimes right. So the composer does not always own their the rights to their work. That's another interesting thing. <laughs> that, you have to find out who actually right. holds the rights. Right, because you're talking about there's so many stakeholders involved. There's the publisher, there's the person who actually wrote the music, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. there's potentially a film studio the, who owns yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, too, depending on where it was recorded, you have to go to the local union so that you get the permission from the players that recorded it. There's a lot of people. Oh, my gosh. People think that, you know, they just grab something that's recorded. There's a lot of work that goes into that and a lot of people that collaborate um, on that. So there are there's a recording studio. There's recording engineers. There's musicians. Yeah. There's composers there's you know editors there's a lot of people yeah and so hopefully you can find 
one person that can pull or one entity that can pull that together for you. Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's much more complicated than you would think. Mm -hmm. And also, but it's also in everyone's best interest to complete this process because if Mm -hmm. you don't, then it puts the company at risk for being sued or the... Well, the thing is this too, and you want to, we really want to, because we are artists ourselves that produce works, um, artistic works, you know, we, it's just... It's just how we respect each other. We want to support people that are doing this. Right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's it's important to acknowledge people's talent and efforts. So yeah. it's just respectful Absolutely. to make sure that you've gotten permission from whoever has made this work to, to make sure you're yeah, um, doing everything we can to make sure that we have their permission to use it in the way that we use it. Right. Right. Yeah. I like that. I love that. So the next step of what I do is once I get the parts and I've got the, all the permission and we're ready mm. to go, then I have to make sure I prepare all of those that sheet music for the orchestra. Oh, of course. Because we all have to be coordinated and all the strings have to be zigging and zagging. So if you've ever seen string bows go up mm-hmm. or go down, that's an up bow and it goes up and down bow. And it makes a different sound on the instrument. So they have to coordinate all of that. So then I take the, the string parts and I give them to the concert master. He looks through and he decides how everybody's going to approach the, the bowing. Oh. Whether they go up or then that has to go to all of the other players, the uh, principal strings, mm-hmm. uh, second violin, viola, cello, and bass. They look at it and then they make their bowings match the concert masters. And then I put them all in the section part. So we'll have one first violin, first chair, first violinist who's our concert master. Mm-hmm. But we have nine other first violinists that have to play exactly what he's playing. Way. Yeah. So then I have to mark all of their parts. To match his part, mm-hmm. wow. so that they the, <laughs> the players, I put the parts. The parts go out two weeks before the first rehearsal, and people come and pick up their parts and take it home and practice. Because mm-hmm. we will get generally two rehearsals to put this together. Okay. With the orchestra. Wow. Before you're playing yeah, so with everybody dancers. Has to pro- yeah, yeah. before we play with dancers, we have about two, two and a half hour rehearsals is generally what we have. Sometimes wow. a little more, sometimes a little less. Yeah. So it takes a lot of at-home rehearsal time. Right. More everybody's so than you would what, Well, you're, we all learn our parts on our own time. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time we actually get to rehearsal, we're just putting it together. We're not learning our individual parts. Yeah. I mean, that's incredibly time-saving, so no mm-hmm. one's cold reading (laughs) right no we don't do that yeah (laughs) that's something I remember from being in band in high school is that like cold reading is an important skill for you to learn and so we had entire classes where we were what did you play I played um baritone saxophone oh that's one of my favorite instruments yeah yeah (laughs) it was really fun Uh and um we only had one um one tuba so I very often yeah, was played the tuba line. sitting back <laughs> like the tuba line. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, um, the one um, time when you do that cold reading is when you're playing film scores. We don't oh. see, we never, if we're going to do a film score like when, or a video game, like uh, all the Halo ones were done up here at the chapel at Bastyr University in Kenmore. Oh, uh-huh. 
when you're doing that, um, you don't see the music ahead of time and you just sit down and play it. So it has oh. to actually be written so that it would be easily sight readable. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, so there's actually a, a film, uh, a school here, Pacific Northwest Film Institute, that actually teaches people to compose for films. That's it's a real specialized area. So yeah. in the 1,000 pieces, we have, other than the Dracula, but we do have two, Cassandra's Dream and The Illusionists, mm-hmm. are film scores that would have been recorded by an orchestra that would be players called to play a recording session, and they sit down in their chairs and they just pop the music in front of them, and then the wow. players record. Yeah. Is that for confidentiality reasons? Why do they do the it music that Music is generally, I understand, the last thing that's added to a film. So it's oh. just... Speed. That's just the way it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of <laughs> traditional. You don't ever get to see that. And sometimes it's being written as you're recording. I've been in a recording session where, boom, here, yeah. here's the new piece. That's, yeah. Christina does Christina's a lot of that, too. Yeah. I mean, I only ever once recently heard of one director that was inspired, that he chose the music before the film, which is so unusual, and it was that Roma. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he was mm-hmm. really influenced by, like, the music he heard in his childhood and music of that culture but that almost never happens so yeah so so actually that's why it's so interesting this 1000 pieces there's like a little bit of everything yeah piano concerto which is much more complex and somebody would be getting the parts ahead of time and Mm -hmm. practicing them um to the illusionist and cassandra's dream which would have been sight read by the orchestra yeah on a recording session yeah interesting how many players are there in the PNB orchestra? I think we're contracted at about, we have a core contracted membership, I think about 55, I'd have to check, 54, 55 players. Mm-hmm. And then if we need more, for instance, if we when we did Cinderella, instead of just, we usually just have two of each of the woodwinds, mm-hmm. um, that calls for three, it calls for not only flute, two flutes, but piccolo, two oboes plus English horn, two clarinets plus bass clarinet, two bassoons plus contrabassoon, then we have to hire extra players to come in and and specialists for that. Yeah. Is that a regular practice that happens? Depends on them. Just depends on the orchestration. It's just unique to each piece. Yeah. Um, The 1,000 pieces will just take one of each of the woodwinds, so we'll actually, some of our players won't be, oh. even our core players won't be playing that. That happens sometimes, mm-hmm. too. But usually we, we, you know, Giselle will be our regular size of orchestra. It's pretty standard yeah. doubles and, yeah. Yeah, great. Of the, of the of woodwinds. And then we have about 34 string players. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're pretty standard, like classical sized orchestra. So mm-hmm. thirty four strings and and pairs of woodwinds and four horns, two trumpets, three trombones, tuba, timpani, two percussion, and often a pianist or a cellista. But often our company pianists step into the orchestra for that mm-hmm. position. So gotcha. Yeah. So. I imagine that being in the orchestra for mm-hmm. a ballet company, you probably need other jobs. Yeah, it's not a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so many of us do different things. So my other thing is I used to play 
pretty much full-time playing, but um, with little tots around the house, I wanted something I could bring home, so I, that's when I took on the music librarian position. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the cool things, our principal French horn is our, music, our, our um, personnel manager, and he's in charge oh. of hiring, so Roger Burnett yeah. does that. Um, his colleague in the horn section, uh, Richard Reed, is a fabulous mechanic, and he owns and runs Maestro Motors over in West Seattle. Oh, a little funny. shameless plug there. <laughs> um, and, and everybody loves Richard. He's like our go-to orchestra so mechanic. You can tell when a run has just ended, because we normally have the Monday after a full run off. Yeah. Because there is a line of cars around the block at Richard's. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. And our um, wonderful, we have uh, our one of our trumpet players and our principal trombonist had a had a, um, a computer consulting company, mm-hmm. and so they they do the computers for the whole orchestra. Um, a lot of our players also teach. Oh, okay. Um, they teach at uh, Seattle Pacific University. Mm-hmm. They teach at the University of Washington. They teach at uh, University of Puget Sound. Many of them teach high school. Um, mm-hmm. I also teach. I teach um, at North Shore uh, oh, okay, High great. School up in up in Bothell. So. Yeah, you teach oh, music there. Uh, I'm the bassoon coach there. Oh, awesome! So I have I have six bassoonists up there that I teach once a oh, week. Wow. So that's kind of fun. That's really fun. Yeah. So I teach one day a week, um, and so a lot of us sort of have this crazy quilt of things that we do some connected with our music some complete some people choose to just do something completely different yeah i was mm. i was expecting more music related right other <laughs> things but right many people have chamber music groups that that mm-hmm. are pretty active mm-hmm. so they do that too um, or they play recording sessions because there's quite a bit of recording that goes on in the town, in this city sure so yeah it's, awesome. it's pretty individual for each person and yeah. what they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty standard for working artists. Yeah. yeah. Too. <laughs> well, we really we really are, are um, so grateful because the PNB decided in 1989 that they wanted their own orchestra. Yeah. And we all knew it was none of us I mean, I maybe I, that's overstating it. Um many of us really just wanted a part-time job. I mean, they're highly, highly qualified, but we have, some people are teaching, and they, right. you know, if you're playing full-time in the symphony, it's really hard to fit in teaching um, or doing something else that's, you know, in, in using other talents that you have, right. related talents or something completely different. Yeah. Um, so that's actually, that's um, has been attractive to really highly qualified musicians sure. um, in our orchestra. A lot of our players also, some of our players um, are very busy freelancers and they play, some of our, our players play at the Fifth Avenue Theater, with Seattle Symphony, Village Theater, mm-hmm. some of the theater orchestras as well. Yeah. So, you know, just it's just very unique. Yeah. yeah. Kind of a unique thing for each one of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, great. I want to be mindful of your time, uh-huh. so is there anything you'd like to close with? Anything we didn't quite touch on that you'd like to share? Oh, boy, I think we covered a lot of it. Hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything coming up that's that's unusual or interesting. I know that when we did the Giselle, that was kind of fun because uh, turns out that I have a counterpart in 
the Royal uh, Ballet, uh, or English National Ballet? Uh, yes. I think it's I the think English National right. Ballet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it turns out he's got my job over there. Yeah. And, but he does, a, uh, his wife is a dancer who speaks French. So he's done all of this research into the, like, Capilla and Giselle and created beautiful orchestra parts because mm-hmm. um, she's done all the translation of all the French terms. And yeah. so I partnered with him when we did the new Giselle to get those parts. And then I'm also, uh, Doug's working, Doug Follington is mm-hmm. working on a brand new edition of Giselle for uh, Baron Rider. We were hoping it would be available coming up mm-hmm. this year, but next time we'll use yeah. Doug's. But um, it's that's been really really interesting. Yeah, and that's my geeky geekier moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's there's such a variety. People say, ask me, you know, well, what is it that you do? It all depends on the piece at the moment. Every yeah. every time I do something, it's completely different. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. That's fun. But then Keeps we all come together. We we get it ready, and um, part of one of the reasons why I became a music librarian is, is I, I was very fussy about how my parts looked. <laughs> so I'd always fix my parts just so. And also because we have such little, little, um, our, our re- rehearsal time is so precious that there's nothing more frustrating for an orchestra to have problems with parts right. and spend valuable, precious rehearsal time. Um, fixing parts. Right. So they, the, one of my friends says, you never want to take a copyist problem and make it a musician problem. Mm-hmm. And so one of my goals is to make sure that there's not, I, that the parts that we use, scores and parts we use, don't create problems. Right. And the, when we're actually, we just want to make music. We don't want to have to worry about. Right. Like, I'm missing two bars of rest. Right. Yeah. Well, that's also part of the respect mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You, these, you're trying to respect the time of the musicians. Right. And especially, like you're mm-hmm. saying, with such short, short rehearsal times. You, right. So it's have to be really efficient. It's yeah. very precious time. Yeah. But if, if, the, if everybody prepares well, it's enough. Mm-hmm. We'd always like to have more. But, but, you know, again, just making sure everything's set up ahead of time then yeah we can focus on making music yeah that's great (laughs) well thank you so much for taking time Mm -hmm. to talk to me today thank you